Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Intimacy Podcast for the Million Dollar Man with your host, Rhonda Farr, certified life coach with an emphasis in emotions and relationships. Today, we're talking about self-intimacy. I got to tell you, I'm super excited about this podcast. I get so giddy when I talk about emotions and our past patterns and uncovering those things. I think it's because I have felt the absolute freedom for myself, my clients, my loved ones who have done this work. So there's your preface. If I get a little bit excited, it's because I absolutely believe in this work. I love, love, love it and have felt a personal freedom from doing it. So one time I had a coach ask me, who's the person who knows you the best? And I just sat there. I couldn't even answer him. I truly felt like no one knew me. I felt like nobody really understood who I was, like deep down on the inside. This wasn't all that long ago either, you guys, pretty recently. I would describe myself as a person who has historically wanted deeper connections in my relationships. I kind of craved it, and I felt that craving, even though I haven't always known how to articulate that. Like, I felt that I wanted more, something deeper. In fact, um, in my marriage, I used to say, like, I just want a deeper conversation, and my husband would be like, I don't even know what you're asking me. Like, do you want me to talk about your hopes and dreams? In fact, I used to joke about that at night. I'd get in bed and I'd be like, okay, scoot over here and tell me all your hopes and dreams. And we would both kind of laugh because he's like, uh, what are you talking about? So I felt this craving that I couldn't quite articulate, but I also kind of prided myself in being so strong that nobody could really get to me. Now that might sound a little bit contradictory to you. And it is. Imagine how that has felt in my body most of my life. But some of you are really going to resonate with this. You're going to say, no, I get it. I've also had this primal desire to belong. And I think that's natural for all of us. We have this desire to be known and to be accepted fully as we really are by the people that are closest to us. However, some of us have also learned that it is far more safe to keep people at a distance so they can't really see what's beneath the surface. We don't want them to see us. We think they might not like what they see if they really know us. But heck, most of us, we don't even want to see ourselves. We want other people to fully accept us as we are, but we're not willing to fully see and accept ourselves. Sometimes we get so afraid that if we let any of that deeper stuff, that deeper part of us out, we'll lose all that we've worked so hard to accomplish. Now, logically, that doesn't really make any sense. Imagine, if I let the people I love see the more vulnerable parts of me, I might lose my financial or career success. When we say it like that, logically, the two don't even appear to have anything to do with each other. Yet, so many of you have told me that this is exactly the dilemma in your body. This is exactly what some of you are afraid of. And spoiler alert, it's not because your emotional connection with your wife will actually detonate some sort of destructive failure bomb inside of you. But it's more likely because your emotional self is making an association with anyone seeing your perceived weaknesses or insecurities. It's making an association with any type of vulnerability and an impending attack or failure or defeat, okay? Do you see it? Logically, it makes no sense. But to the body, 
to the soma, which is just a collection of the body, the nervous system, the memories, the feelings, all that stuff. To the soma, there is an association with vulnerability, exposed weakness, and threat and danger. Your body's survival instinct, and by the way, emotional or physical safety, survival, will trump your intellectual knowing every single time. And if you don't shine a light on why this keeps happening, and that's what we're going to talk about today, by the way, if you don't shine a light on that survival instinct, your insecurities will be driving your life. In fact, I would venture to say that most of the world, most of the humans are walking around with our insecurities driving our lives in some areas, even myself. And I'm pretty self-aware at this point, but still, we have to shine a light on that. And still, I have insecurities, blind spots that I will be working with forever probably. And that's okay. That's part of being human. But if you've got places in your life that you feel stuck or you're just not sure what to do about, you want to pull those out so you can make some changes, okay? So how do we become aware of this perpetual pattern in our lives and how do we stop being dictated by it? Keep listening. Here's the rest of my story. I finally told this coach, like, no one, no one really knows me. And he just looked at me like it was an interesting answer I could tell by his face. And I asked him, like, Do other people usually say they're really known by others? It seemed kind of a a weird idea. Like, surely my answer is not all that odd. And he smiled a very kind and soft smile. And he said, well, yeah, most people can usually tell me one or two people who know them pretty well. And I didn't realize this at the time. But the truth is, I didn't know myself very well at all. And I thought I did. I would have sworn that I knew myself pretty well. Maybe I did know myself on some level, but at the very least, I hadn't yet found the words to articulate what I was experiencing. Like I knew something was kind of off. I was obviously seeking for help by talking to this coach, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it and I certainly didn't have language for it. So that makes sense. If I don't know how to articulate what I think about myself and my life, how could I really share that with another person and let them know me? Now, don't get me wrong here. My husband knew me, right? Like he knew my moods that I would get in. He knew some of my likes and dislikes, things like that. He could read my face and my body, but that didn't feel to me like he knew the real me under it all, which is what I was craving, right? Somebody to accept those um, deeper parts of me. The truth is real intimacy, both physical and emotional, and perhaps many other types of intimacy. There's lots of types of intimacy, even though we mostly associate it with physical. And if you're on this podcast listening, you probably are starting to associate with emotional intimacy. But real intimacy starts with you. Self-intimacy is so powerful, you guys. It can be so healing. It can change your conversations. It allows you to show yourself and be known to others of your choosing on a different level. Self-intimacy helps you understand your patterns better. It allows you to have more compassion for yourself around some of the behaviors that you've been repeating. Now, I've mentioned self-intimacy in passing on other episodes, but today I want to really focus on what self-intimacy looks like and what it can do in our relationships. I think some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah, Rhonda, you hear me invite you to schedule a call with me at the end of most podcasts. 
and you're like, eh, I don't really have time for that. This is kind of woo-woo light stuff. I don't think you have any idea what this could really do for your relationship to self, which you probably don't care about. You're probably here because of your relationship with your partner. Really think about this. Self-intimacy is the foundation for everything you're craving. If you want to change your relationships, consider making time to know yourself better. The ability to look at our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors objectively is how we open the door to self-intimacy. By developing self-awareness, we can step outside of the default mode that keeps perpetuating the patterns we really want to heal. If you feel stuck in a certain area of your life and have no idea why, if you feel like you've been trying everything to address the problems at hand that you really don't appreciate, but it's not really changing anything, this is what we're talking about today. You can't just change the behavior on the surface level without understanding what's driving the behavior that you're stuck in. Trying to change behavior alone is usually not sustainable over time, and it's exhausting because you keep cycling in it as you try to do that without understanding what's perpetuating it. Now listen, if there's some simple thing that is not that deep, by all means, just go change the behavior. But if you've been trying to change um, a pattern for yourself or you're, more importantly, you're trying to force somebody else to change their behaviors and patterns so you will feel better, you better do this deeper work, okay? Because <laughs> that's where it's at, I'm telling you. So many of you are really good at problem solving and strategizing. That's a beautiful thing and it allows you to thrive and serve many people with that skill set. There's nothing wrong with that when it serves you. This is why you've also looked at your marriage, though, in the past with the intent to change the behaviors or change your partner's behaviors and only do that surface level work, right? Because you think if we can just do or say these things differently or the physical intimacy can vamp up, then we're both going to feel better. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm guessing that hasn't worked for you to just focus on behavior changes. We're trying to change without getting to know what's beneath it. When we stay unconscious to ourselves or never get to know ourselves or never develop that self-intimacy, we have no real idea what's going on and driving us. Most of us just know that we don't like the way we feel and we'd really appreciate, appreciate it, by the way, if the people around us would change <laughs> so we can feel better. So let me share a quick story to illustrate a few different levels of intimacy, okay? Because some of you are like, okay, you keep talking about this, but what do you really mean here? Get to know our past, get to know those feelings, but what does that really look like? So I worked with a client years ago who was married to a wife who had suffered some pretty significant abuse in her life, even sexual abuse, okay? So it makes sense that this wife would show up to the marriage with some anxiety, with some insecurities, with some trepidation around sexual intimacy, okay? Nobody, I don't think, is going to fault her for that. So it makes sense that this husband would go into the relationship. I don't know if he knew about the abuse before the marriage or not. I actually can't remember. It's been a while since I've worked with him. But it makes sense that when he shows up in the relationship and his wife is feeling very insecure and very anxious about this, that he would want to help her, that he would want her to not have these struggles and issues, okay? So 
it would also make sense for him to go to her and say, hey, let's work on this. Let's get you some help. Physical sexual intimacy is very important to a marriage, right? So we might have this level of consciousness and awareness. Intimacy is important to the relationship. It's really important to me. So I'm asking you to seek some help. Listen, guys, there is nothing wrong with this level of intimacy. I want to be really clear here as I identify certain levels of awareness. They're not right or wrong. I just want to show you what different levels look like, okay? So level one might be like, nope, this is really important to me. I care about you. I care about me. I care about the relationship. I care about the physical intimacy. I'm asking you to get some help. I'm asking you to let me in to see what's going on for you, okay? So that's a beautiful level of intimacy. Nothing wrong with that. Then there's this next level. Like, okay, when my wife comes into the marriage struggling with her own stuff and she often turns me down or even when we do have physical intimacy, um, the way she shows up, like bracing herself or feeling really stiff in this relationship, it kind of feels like disheartening to me, like really sad. And it feels like when she doesn't choose to get help or work on it, like a personal rejection. So this might be a next level of awareness for us. We might go even talk to our coach, our therapist, even our partner and say, hey, what I'm noticing is when we're struggling in this way and when these things happen, these behaviors come up, these thoughts and feelings from you, like it, it feels like this personal rejection to me and to my sexuality. And uh, I just feel like, uh, sometimes I can't even approach you anymore because I run the risk of making you anxious and I run the risk of feeling rejected. So that's another level of intimacy. It's important. It's beautiful. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And now I'm going to share a deeper level of intimacy, right? Sometimes when we go into these um, intimate situations or I'm trying to approach you, whether it's emotional intimacy or physical intimacy, it feels terrible in my body and I have felt rejected in the past. And the more I get to know myself, I'm starting to remember like how much sexual shame I already had before we even got married. How I felt a lot of shame in my teenage years and maybe even my childhood about some of the things I was exposed to. Um, Many of my clients were exposed to pornography at a young age and didn't quite know how to deal with that and felt a lot of shame in themselves about that. Um, They, some of my clients were exposed to very strict upbringings where they were taught any sexual feeling at all was really shameful. It should be avoided, suppressed, right? Some of my clients have um, had thoughts and ideas about their own sexuality and things that kind of felt like an innate urge. They were told these very explicitly that these things are bad, certain sexual acts or certain um, ways of thinking about women, that these things are bad and um, you, something is wrong with you. You are bad for thinking about these, right? So at this deeper level of intimacy, we might say, Hey, when I came into the marriage already having these things going on inside of me and not really knowing how to deal with them or address them, not even really fully aware of what they were doing inside of me, what I'm realizing is when we interact and when you come to the table with that anxiety, it's actually highlighting something for me that was already there. 
So it's not just the sting of, you know, sex is important in a marriage. And it's not just the rejection, although those things are there, right? I'm also noticing that it's like I'm having to brace myself from going into a shame spiral. And I don't really want to open that door because it's so uncomfortable. And I haven't even known what was happening. And by the way, there are so many more layers. I'm not saying you have to get to all of them. I'm just highlighting what this could look like for you. This is what self-intimacy does for us. It allows us to look inside and get really honest. What are the things that we are trying to protect from exposure? What are the things that we were feeling way before the marriage or the relationship that it didn't feel emotionally safe enough for us to address? That our younger self couldn't cope with. So it developed these coping strategies or mechanisms to keep at bay. What are those things that are still going on inside of us? So here's where a lot of you will say, okay, if all that's going on and and you're going to resonate with some of the things I just said, you're going to say, okay, well, how do we fix it? (laughs) That's what my clients, that's the million dollar question. If I had a nickel for every time I was asked, how do we fix that? I'd be so, so rich by now. But the answer is going to seem too simple, way too simple. But one of the first steps is to simply gain the awareness of what has been perpetuating your responses and behaviors in your relationship. So just notice that with curiosity, okay? Just like I put language to my one client's experience, start putting language to what you find when you ask yourself these questions. Where have I felt this? One of my favorite questions, and I probably mentioned it before, is when you're feeling rejected or you're feeling kind of alone or frustrated with what's going on in your marriage, ask yourself, where have I felt this before? What is a different time in my life, maybe before the relationship, where I felt similarly, okay? Put language to that. And then what we want to do is create a lot of acceptance that this is what's been going on beneath the surface for years, okay? Before I met her, my clients tell me all the time, I always thought she was the only one responsible for this. And and do you see how in the example I gave, it would be very, very easy to think she is the only one that has anything to work on here. My clients tell me, I thought I was the only one, but now I finally see some of these things inside of me. And why is that important? Of course, in the example I gave, we would hope out of a lot of love and compassion that this partner would get some help, not just so the sexual relationship could be better in the marriage, but so she could have some peace, right? But why is it important for the husband to see his part? Because he is the one who is perpetuating it. And when he sees his part, then he gets to decide from a more solid and grounded self how he wants to be in the relationship, if he wants to stay in the relationship. But you don't want to be making those decisions from those blind spots, okay? So we want to see what we've been perpetuating for ourselves with a lot of love and compassion. Your old patterns are probably coping mechanisms that kept you emotionally or physically safe when you were too young or not resourced enough to deal with them in any other way. We want to have so much love and compassion for that. We're not blaming you for that. But that is what's been driving you up to this point. Then what happens for many of us is our actions and our way of being and interacting in the world naturally start to shift from that place of awareness and acceptance. Remember, just putting language to the experience can be so healing. And then having that language to see it for yourself 
We can more authentically share with the person we choose. And that can be a real healing balm to the insecurities, okay? We get to have different conversations about life. We get to take back our agency and autonomy to choose. Once we call out that awareness, we no longer have to be dictated by the constant urge to keep those things buried beneath the surface. We don't have to keep trying to extract our validation from others to avoid those internal feelings of doom and failure that some of you are constantly trying to run from. We're scared to death to feel those feelings. All of us, all of the humans, we get so scared to feel that. Those feelings that at one point or another felt too overwhelming to deal with. That's why you develop the coping strategies of keeping them at bay. It seemed safer at the time. And I'll say it again. What was adaptive to the smaller or weaker um, self often becomes maladaptive in our adult relationships. These strategies that your mind and body have developed to help you keep, get through the hard things when you didn't have any other choice. And I think we should be so compassionate and loving toward those things. Don't forget, they were survival. But those so, same patterns often become blocks that keep us stuck in our current relationships. So the conflict you're currently having with your partner might be the continuation of the fight that your younger self didn't feel big enough or strong enough to have. When your body perceives your insecurities are at risk of being exposed, many of us are going to go right back into survival mode without ever realizing it. These are our blind spots because we don't see the patterns. And it's so much easier to push that onto our partner and say, if they would just change, everything would be better. We just keep thinking the person in front of us is wrong. They're oblivious. They're insensitive. They're cruel. They're whatever, right? This is why self-intimacy is so important. You want to be able to see what's going on beneath the behaviors, find some loving acceptance of why it's been repeating, put some language to it, and communicate to your partner if you choose. Find your footing and groundedness. And then you can choose your life instead of being dictated by the past. We get to be in the driver's seat. Some of you think pushing those emotions and those parts of you away are keeping you in the driver's seat. I want to offer that the opposite is true. By pushing them beneath the surface, they are driving you, okay? If we really want to simplify this concept of self-intimacy, we might also say that it's just getting radically honest and brave enough with ourselves to take full responsibility for how we want to handle the truth as an adult. Self-intimacy is the foundation for relational intimacy of all kinds. Okay, guys, if you want to learn more, I want you to talk to me. Go get on my calendar. I know you don't think you have time for this. I know you think this is too woo-woo and you just want that surface level stuff to change. I don't blame you. We all want that because our brain, our primal brain is very efficient and it says the quickest, fastest way to do this would be better and that's likely to have somebody else change so we'll feel better. But if you've been trying that and it's not working, it's time to get on my calendar.